Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. I love this church. I love you folks. I believe God is going to bring a spark to ignite this fellowship. And I, I want to share in the book of Acts a perspective. It's not a new perspective, but it's a revived and renewed perspective. And to do that, I want to share a little anecdote entitled, A Matter of Perspective. Some of you have heard this already. Look. Look at that one. The one staring at us through the bars. Doesn't he look intelligent? Yes, the other replied. There's something strange and uncanny about it. He, he looks as if he understands every word we're saying. Yeah, and walks on his hind legs, too, and he swings his arms. Look, look there, he, he's got a peanut. Let's see what he does with it. Well, what do you think about that? He knows enough to take the shell off before he eats it, just like we do. That's a female alongside him. Listen to her chatter at him. He doesn't seem to be paying much attention to her, though. She must be his mate. They, they look kind of sad, don't they? Yeah. I guess they wish they were in here with us monkeys. <laughs> Just a matter of perspective. Fifty-four years ago, I had an experience that literally changed my life forever. It was the same kind of experience that almost caused my aunt-in-law to divorce my uncle because she said that experience is demonic, it's of the devil. That same experience caused my mother to get the left foot of disfellowship out of the church she was attending. That experience is what led to my wife and I getting married. And in a little bit, I want to share with you about that experience. It was a result of a hungry heart and importunate prayer. A hungry heart and importunate prayer. That's what's going to be needed for us to have that spark of revival in our fellowship and in our church. A hungry heart and importunate prayer. Well, you know what a hungry heart is, but who knows what importunate prayer is? Who can tell me? What is importunate prayer? <laughs> importunate prayer. I have a good example of what importunate prayer is. <laughs> Let me read this. It's a true story. It's entitled, The Pastor's Cat. Some of you have heard it already. A true story was told about the pastor who had a kitten that had climbed up a tree in his backyard and was afraid to come down. The pastor coaxed, offered warm milk, etc. The kitty would not come down. The tree was not sturdy enough to climb, so... <laughs> The pastor decided if he tied a rope to his car and drove away that it would bend the tree down and he could reach up and get the little kitten. So he did. All the while checking his progress in the car frequently. He figured if he went just a little bit further, the tree would bend sufficiently for him to reach the kitten. But as he moved just a little bit further, the rope broke. And the tree went boing! And the kitten instantly sailed through the air out of sight. And the pastor was terrified. He walked all over the neighborhood asking people if they'd seen the little kitten. No, nobody's seen any stray kitten. So he, he prayed, Lord, I just commit this kitten to your keeping. And then he went on 
about his business. Well, a few days later, he was at the grocery store, and he met one of his church members. He happened to look into her shopping cart and was amazed to see cat food there. Now, this woman was a cat hater, and everyone knew it. So he asked her, why are you buying cat food when you hate cats so much? She replied, well, you won't believe this, and told him how her little girl had been begging for a cat, but she kept refusing. Then a few days before, the child had begged again, so mom finally told the little girl, well, if God gives you a cat, I'll let you keep it. (laughs) You see where this is going? (laughs) She told the pastor, I watched my child go out in the yard, get on her knees, and ask God for a cat. And really, pastor, you won't believe this. I saw with my own eyes. A kitten suddenly came flying out of the blue sky with paws outstretched and landed right in front of her. That is importunate prayer. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Probably you're not used to bringing your Bibles, and I'm not too good at doing the overheads. But if you brought your Bibles, we're going to be looking a lot there. As a way of introducing the book of Acts, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me John, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I'm not used to sitting down, but no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, I kind of, when I teach, like to get up and walk around, but I'll, I'll try this. If Pastor Lair could do it, well, I don't know. So as a way of introducing the book of Acts and what happened on the day of Pentecost, I want to take you back to Resurrection Day, chapter 20, verse 19 of the book of John. You probably remember the story. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now listen to what Jesus did. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, listen carefully, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they will be forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So here's an occasion. Jesus appears right through the doors. Peace be to you. And then he talks about the, the, the ministry that they're going to be having. And he did something that is debatable as to what it really means. He breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now I can tell you what the assumptions God teaches, and I, I believe it myself, but some people disagree. Uh, the assembly God teaches, and I believe that Jesus actually imparted the Holy Spirit to the disciples at that time. But that was not the gift of the Spirit given on the day of Pentecost. So it's possible for people to know Jesus had the Spirit and not be baptized the Spirit speaking tongues. There's a lot of good Baptists. Well, there's a few good. There's a lot of good Baptists out there. There's a lot of good Nazarenes. A lot of good people out there who know Jesus. They receive the Spirit. They're born again. The Bible says the same Spirit is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That same Spirit will quicken or make alive your mortal bodies. So you have to have the Spirit to get to heaven. Without the Spirit, there's no heaven. So 
I believe that in John chapter 20 that the, that the, spirit, of, uh, the, the spirit was actually imparted as Jesus breathed on them. But we're going to talk about now what happened on a particular day called the day of Pentecost. Let's begin looking at the book of Acts. That is a really bright light. Did you know that? <laughs> Let's do a little background. I'll sit back down. We're looking at a book called the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, I, I guess that's true to a degree that there are apostles involved, but not a lot of apostles. So if we're looking at the book of Acts, who are the two primary apostles that we read about in the book of Acts? One would be Paul. One would be Peter. There's Peter, Paul, but I don't see Mary here anywhere in the book of Acts. You know, So it's basically about Peter and about Paul. And the book of Acts is a two-volume set. Volume one would be what? The book of Luke, volume two, the Luke of Acts. They're to be read together. They're meant to be read together. And it starts off with this. Let me get over there to the book of Acts, if you have your Bibles. And who wrote the book of Acts? Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Same guy that wrote the book of Luke. And he starts off by saying this. In the former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up. So the question is, who is Theophilus and why was the book written? So let me just give you a little bit of background. So the Holy Spirit prompted Luke to write to Theophilus. Who was Theophilus, by the way? Who knows? Theophilus. Oh, Theophilus. Okay. Was Theophilus Jew or was he Gentile? Theophilus was Gentile. So Luke is writing to a Gentile friend all that Jesus did and said in, in the book of Luke. But here... Theophilus was written to Theophilus to fill a need in the Gentile church for a full account of the beginnings of Christianity. A couple of things. In the former book, being the gospel of Jesus' life, in the latter book, his account in Acts about the outpouring of the Spirit at Jerusalem and the subsequent development of the early church, it is apparent that Luke was a skilled writer, a careful historian, and an inspired theologian. So, what basically Luke has done here is saying, hey, O Theophilus, in, in my first volume, volume one, I talked about all the things that Jesus did, what he said, what he taught, all that, and all the wonderful things that did, all the miracles they did about Jesus. Volume two, the book of Acts. But I want to convince you as a Gentile, not just for you as a Gentile, but for the Gentile world, I want to convince you and the Gentile world that what happened with Jesus Christ in chapter 1, volume 1, is exactly what's happening in volume 2 of the book of Acts. What you saw Jesus do and perform in the first volume, now you're going to see the Acts of the Apostles. You're going to see Peter. You're going to see 
Paul, you're going to see two or three other disciples in there. And they're going to do what Jesus did. And Jesus went back to the Father to pour out his spirit upon them. And so now you're going to find out Jesus' message is being carried out through the apostles and to the Gentile world. I'm going to stand. <laughs> I'm okay. Oh, praise God. So, what was the purpose? The purpose of the book of Acts. This is really good. Basically, Luke had two purposes in recounting the church's beginnings. One, he shows that the gospel moved triumphantly. Would you say the word triumphantly? Say it again, triumphantly. He was showing that the gospel moved triumphantly from the narrow borders of, of uh, Judaism to the Gentile world, listen, in spite of opposition and persecution. Well, we're talking about the church coming back to an Acts experience. They went through all kinds of persecution. If you read about the things that Trajan did and, and some of these uh, uh, Caesars, uh, Christians, you know, Nero, crazy Nero, Christians persecuted, burnt, put in a stake, I mean, all kinds of stuff. But here's the key to this. In spite of the persecution and the trials and the tribulations, the church went forward in the power of the Holy Ghost. It hasn't changed today, 2,000 years later. We're still going through it. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, not too long ago on television, there was an article on television that Christians were some of the major problems with democracy today. Did you know that Christians are listed as terrorists? We're listed as terrorists, okay? We're put on a terrorist list, and you, and you find out what's going on. You know, they, Nero blamed the Jews, or the Christians, rather, for all that happened there and when Rome burnt down. We're still being blamed today. Jews and Christians both. And I believe, this is just me, that persecution is coming. We're going to see it come more and more and more. We can see it in the, the well, I won't get into politics. <laughs> But, but the Gentile church grew and went in spite of opposition and persecution. That was number one. Number two, he reveals the role of the Holy Spirit in church's life and mission, emphasizing, here's the emphasis of, chapter, of the second volume, baptism in the Holy Spirit as God's provision for empowering the church to proclaim the gospel and continue Jesus' ministry. Let me say this again. The second reason for writing the book of Acts, and this is what we hope will happen, that we'll have a renewed vision, a, a renewed impetus, a renewed uh, uh, power, vigor, whatever it takes, renewed, to know that what happened 2,000 years ago can happen, right? And in fact is. The greatest movement in the world today is the Pentecostal movement. Did you know that? It's by the power of the Holy Ghost through signs and wonders. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to bring those signs and wonders back to the church today. In fact, they are being exercised in the church today. Let me read this again. The second read. He reveals the role of the Holy Spirit in the church's life and mission, emphasizing, listen, the baptism in the Holy Spirit as God's provision for empowering the church to proclaim the gospel and to continue Jesus' ministry. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on speaking in tongues tonight, but maybe I can just give you a, a, just a little taste. Because 
Luke explicitly records three times that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was accompanied by speaking in tongues. And two times when it was implied, I want to give those to you. And listen carefully now because this is probably where the assemblies of God is coming from. I'm going to give you the terminology the assembly of God uses on is speaking in tongues the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, the context of the passage I'm about to give you indicates that this was normative, say normative, normative in early Christianity and is God's enduring pattern for the church. Say normative, God's pattern for the church. Okay, so I'm going to give you now five different times when we read about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Three times it specifically said that when they were baptized in the Spirit, they spoke with other tongues. Two times it didn't say they expressly spoke in tongues, but it was implied. Let me give those to you. And as far as assembly is God, and I, that's where I'm coming from, it was a normative, normative experience to speak in tongues when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So let me just share with you. Real briefly here, five different times when we read about the outpouring of the Spirit, three of the times they've spoken tongues, two of the times there's implied. First, Acts 2 4, which we'll get into a little bit. All of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Acts 2 4. They actually spoke in tongues. Acts 10, verses 45 and 46. It was at the house of Cornelius. This is interesting. House of Cornelius. Remember the story? Peter's up there sleeping on the roof, you know, on a hot summer night. And as he's sleeping, what happens? He has a dream. What's the vision of? This sheet comes down, and what, what's contained in the sheet? Unclean animals. And uh, God says to, do, to him to do what? Eat. He says, oh, I can't eat. It's unclean. unclean. No, anything I've made is not clean. You go ahead and eat. And God's preparing him to uh, receive Gentiles, which he didn't like, Gentiles, because the message went first to the Jews and second to the Gentiles. Baptism of the Spirit came first to the Jews, and now it's about to come to the... So, you know, in the church I was raised, I'm not going to diss them, you know. <laughs> the church I, was raised, I always heard the story about the... The unclean animals and, and the sheet, and, and then he went to the house of Cornelius. I always heard that. What I never heard was what happened at the house of Cornelius. And we find in Acts chapter 10, verse 45 and 46, the Spirit came down as Peter was teaching them. They heard the word, they believed, and, they, and the people that came with Peter heard the Gentiles do what? Speaking in tongues and praising God. So that's the second time speaking in tongues accompanied the baptism. Acts 19, verses 1 through 7. Disciples at Corinth, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Three times specifically says they spoke in tongues as we were baptized the Spirit. The two times it's implied is the one at Ephesus when it says, they received the Holy Spirit. It doesn't expressly say they spoke in tongues, but it's implied because if you remember some guy named Simon. I remember Simon. What was Simon? 
He was a sorcerer. And so Simon the sorcerer, he's watching whatever's going on when the hands were laid on these people. Whatever's going on, he didn't say he spoke in tongues, but he saw something really weird. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the disciples began speaking in tongues, but they also per- performed signs and wonders. And Simon the sorcerer, he said, what is this? I want this power. Whatever you have, I'll, I'll buy it from you. Peter says, curse you. you know, I want it. Well, the implication is he probably performed miracles, signs, and wonders, but also spoke in this language. And Simon the sorcerer said, what is that? And then the last time is, well, it happened to Paul. So Paul, he's blinded. He's at this place, Simon Tanner's place, and uh, Ananias comes over, and God says, lay your hands on him. He, at that time, he was filled with the Spirit. There were signs and wonders that took place, and even though it doesn't say Paul spoke in tongues, we know that he did because what did he say? I'm glad I speak in tongues more than you all. So we know Paul spoke in tongues, so of the five times recorded of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we know that three times they spoke in tongues, two times it was implied. And if you tell me, well, I believe that, by the way, I should tell you something. How many of you know uh, uh, Fred Cottrell? Okay. If you don't know Fred, Fred built this, this facility here, you know, wonderful man of God. Back in 1974, I was applying for credentials with the Assemblies of God. Now, you know, I was raised Baptist, so my theology was a little different. But I was applying for credentials, and then you have all these questions you got to answer, question after question. And, of course, one question is, do you believe that speaking tongues is the initial physical evidence of the Baptist and the Holy Spirit? And the way I was raised, I said, well, I'm not really sure it is all the time. How many of you know that's probably the wrong answer? If you're applying for credentials with the Assemblies of God, and Fred Cottrell sitting on the council there, Looking at your resume. Well, anyway, you know, he had me do. He said, I want you to make a 10-page report. 10-page report. Why you think or can show by the word that speaking tongues is initial physical evidence. Anyway, I, I came to the conclusion it was I don't argue it with anybody. If someone says, well, I didn't receive tongues, but I, I was just infected with the power of the Spirit. Praise God. Praise God, I'm not going to argue with you about it. Whatever you get, fine. But normative would be when the baptism of the Spirit comes, they'll be speaking in tongues as a physical, initial physical evidence. By the way, when, when the assemblies of God came out with that statement, that speaking in tongues was the, the, the initial physical evidence, did you know at that time that the uh, church of the Nazarene was called the Pentecostal Church of the Nazarene? And when the Simmons came out with that statement, they dropped the Pentecostal title, you know. We had very close relationship with CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance. Much of what we have in missions with the Simmons of God came from Christian Missionary Alliance. They're a wonderful group. Others, they kind of dissociated themselves when the Simmons came out with that statement. But now we love each other. We're all, I guess we're all going on the same train to heaven. Did you know that? Praise God. And by the way, when I teach this, I usually start by making a disclaimer. Say with me, there are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of heaven. 
Say it again. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of heaven. That means if you don't speak in tongues, you're not second-class. Because there are those who teach you got to speak in tongues to even be saved. We don't teach that you're second class. Listen, if you know Jesus, you know Jesus. If you know Jesus, we're one in the spirit. We're one in power. We're one in authority. Hallelujah. But I can tell you tonight, there's something more. And that's what my heart was hungering for. So, let's keep it going here. So my question is, who, who is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost? Who is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost? And we have a handout we're going to look at in just a bit. But let me give you some scriptures. And this is just for clarification. John 1, 32 and 33. John says, the man on which you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will do what? Baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mark 1, 4 through 8. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sin. I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3, 11 and 12. I baptize with water for repentance but after me will come one who is more powerful than I am, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And now I'm going to read this next part. And I, want to, I want you to tell me what it means. And John says, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What does that mean? Let me read it again. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What does that mean? Some of you theologians out there. Good. What else? Good. Someone else. You know what a winnowing, winnowing fork is? It's like a pitchfork. Yeah, it's a wooden pitchfork. And what they do, they take a big shovel full of wheat, whatever. Toss it up in the air and the wind blows the what? All the stuff that's no good in your life. It's worthless. It's worthless. The wind blows it away and the good stuff falls back down to the threshing floor. Well, what does the baptism of the Holy Spirit do? It's supposed to take away the stuff, the chaff of our life, the garbage, the stuff that has no, no meaning for the kingdom of God. Move it away. The, the Spirit blows it away, so all that's left is the unshakable kingdom of God in our hearts and our lives. That's what the baptism of the Spirit does. And Jesus is our baptizer. Okay, so do you have that handout? You should have a handout. Just real briefly, real brief. This is just something that you can look at in your spare time. 
There are at least nine, I think possibly ten baptisms spoken of in the Word of God. Do we have to t- 10 o'clock tonight? Yeah. <laughs> what time I still get done? I tell you what, I'm gonna, we, the best is yet to come. You can look at this because there are at least nine baptisms I know of. There's John's baptism, Jesus' baptism by John, Jesus' baptism uh, by the Holy Spirit, the believer's baptism, Christian baptism, baptism with uh, the Holy Spirit. And it will tell you who's doing the baptizing, who's being baptized, what they're being baptized into. I'm not going to take time tonight to really go over all that. But if you have a copy, take a look at it. So, Acts chapter 1. Verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. And here's the command. Listen. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for what? The gift. What is it? It's the gift. What is it? It's the gift. Wait for the gift. My father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy, Holy Spirit. Verse 6. When they met together, they asked him, O oh Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And the Lord says, yeah, we're going to do it real quick here. And there's going to be wars and women's wars, and the blood's going to turn to moon, moon, moon red, and this is going to happen. There's going to be shaking, earthquakes. How many have that translation? What did Jesus say? Jesus responds to him and says, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power... When what happens? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want to just take a pause here. We may not get through chapter two tonight, but he says, The Father has set by his own authority, but you receive power. There's two different words for power. Authority is the word exousia, which means legal right or legal authority. And then the other one, what's the word for power? Dunamis, which means what? What kind of power? Dynamite. Mm. So I want to give you an example of what dynamite power looks like and what exousia looks like. And uh, first, dynamite power. So I was in the Philippines about 30 years ago. We were there for 28 days. We spoke to over 65,000 people. 45,000 filled a card in. They actually said they gave their heart to Jesus. Did they? We don't know. It's up to God. 45,000. But I remember in La Powell, we had a service there. Many healings. Many people were healed. Signs and wonders. And after the service, someone said, well, could come, and some, come back on Sunday and preach at one of our churches here? Yeah, can you go? <laughs> so, I was the only white dude in the city. Of all Filipinos, they had to contact the police to let them know I was coming <laughs> to protect me because they had threats the previous night uh, of throwing bombs into the, the crusade. Anyway, uh, it was fun. Pastor Valdez was the pastor, ministered, preached the message. After the message, Pastor Valdez comes up and says, You know, we have a lady over here not too far from the church that's spirit, that demon possessed. We want you to come and pray for her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
And I still remember walking over there from the church, and my knees were knocking. Oh, my goodness. Casting out demons. And all I began to do is what a lot of you do. I began to just encourage myself in the Lord. Father, it's not me. It's your word. Lord, it's by your spirit. Father, it's power in your name. Lord Jesus, your word says we can do is cast out demons in your name. We have power. We have power. By the time I got to this little village, I, I felt powered by the Holy Spirit. We came to this little hut, about a 12 by 12, all it was. Didn't have a regular door. It was just a cloth thing hanging down. And just as we started to enter, the lady's husband came, and I asked, the interpreter said, ask him if we have permission to go into their house. He said yes. So we go into this house, this little hut, 12 by 12, and there's this lady up on a table in a crouched position, eyes darting back and forth like this. I thought, well, this must be the one. And to make it worse, where she's kneeling, crouched, Right by her side is a row of knives hanging on the wall. And I thought, I am in for the battle of my life. But you know what happened? When she was in that crouched position, and I felt the power of the Lord Jesus come upon me, and I prayed a prayer, a powerful prayer, and I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her right now. And I mean, I was expecting a battle. I really was expecting a fight. And just like that, seconds. Her eyes straightened up. She was okay. God set her free that day. And two weeks later, when we were getting ready to come back to America, the pastor Valdez came and says, this lady is doing really good. God set her free. See, that's dunamis power. I want to tell you about ecstasy power. And, okay. What time is it done? 7.30. Oh, my goodness. Well, this may be the, all, all the way I get tonight. We haven't got to the, the major verse of the book of Acts. that says, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, the power of the Spirit. Let me tell you about ecstasia. So you know about dunamis. Dynamic power. You speak that word and God moves hearts. Uh, I'll close with this. Didn't get very far. I'll redo it next time. I was pastoring in La Crescenta. And uh, on a Friday, someone knocks on my, my door. I said, come in. And the guy walks in and says, is this a church that preaches faith? I said, yeah. Is this a church that loves one another? I said, yeah. He said, I'll be here Sunday. He did. I'll call him Bill. That's not his real name. Bill showed up Sunday. And he gave his heart to Jesus on that Sunday. Monday. It's my day off. Don't call me. I get this call from our janitor. He says, Pastor Ken, you need to get down here. Right? There's someone here falling on the floor in front of your door saying Satan's trying to kill him. I said, it's probably some guy wanting to hand out. But he said, you better get down here. The ambulance just came, and he heard them coming. He had enough sense to get up off the floor, and he's sitting here in the front row of the church. So I drove down there. It was Bill. He just gave his heart to the Lord. Bill. He's sitting on the front row. I said, Bill, what's going on? Come on in. Come in the office. This is a true story. Bill said, Pastor, 
I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Sunday. He said, Sunday night, I was uh, in my garage. He, he was uh, a millionaire. Had, he had been a drug uh, uh, weapons supplier in the L.A. area, made a, port, a fortune of money, a lot of money. He said, I was in my garage exercising on the weights, and I felt something choking me. Like it was trying to kill me. And he's telling me the story. And I said, Bill, I know exactly what you need. Come on in. So I had him sit down. I said, Bill, what you need is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because there's power in the baptism. There's authority in the baptism. True story. So here's what I'm going to do, Bill. I'm going to lay my hands on you, and I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus, receive ye the gift of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in a language that you have not personally learned. And it's going to be really easy. All you have to do is this. I'm going to lay hands on you. You take a deep breath, and when you speak out, don't speak in your native language. Don't speak in English. Take a deep breath and speak out, and the Lord is going to give you a language. Folks, I'm telling you the truth. I laid hands. I said, in the name of Jesus, Bill, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in a heavenly language. Bam! He began to speak in tongues just like that. I said, now I want to tell you something. You are a child of God, and Satan has no authority over you. And you tell him, if this happens again, you say, this is exousia now. This is legal authority. You tell him, I am a child of God. I'm blood-bought. You have no right over me. Get your hands off me. Don't you ever come back again. I get a call the next day. Pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what happened? He says, I was exercising again in my garage. And the same thing, something was choking me, trying to kill me. I said, what did you do? I said, get your hands off of me in the name of Jesus. I'm a child of God, blood-bought, and you have no right and no authority over my heart. And the thing left and didn't come back. As a result of the power of his life, the change life that he had all but one of his family all of them got baptized in the holy spirit gave their heart to jesus listen yeah we have authority exousia we have power dunamis and this is what god wants for us today i have more stories but i'm not gonna share them tonight because we got it's 729 let's see if i want to say anything else to you <laughs> i will share one story in closing and uh, we, we can really give the enemy a black eye. I mean, we have the power to really give him a nosebleed. We have the authority, and we have that power to do so. So I'm going to close with this story. It's called The Little Lady. Some of you have heard it already. So there was a little lady who every morning stepped into her front porch, raised her arms to the sky, and shouted, Praise the Lord! One day, an atheist moved into the house next door. He became irritated at the little old lady. Every morning, he would step into his front porch and yell at her, There is no Lord. Time passed, the two of them carrying on like every day, every day. Well, one morning in the middle of winter, the little old lady stepped into her front porch and shouted, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! But please, Lord, I have no food and I'm starving. Provide for me, O Lord! The next morning, she stepped out into her porch and 
There were two huge bags of groceries sitting there. Praise the Lord, she cried out. He has provided groceries for me. And the atheist neighbor jumped out of the hedges and shouted, There is no Lord. I provide those groceries for you. The little old lady threw arms up the air and shouted, Praise the Lord. He has provided me with the groceries. And it made the devil pay for them. (laughs) Well, folks, the, the, the truth is, the devil in the end is going to have to pay for it. But until that time, until he's cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are already are, until that time, the Holy Spirit has come to raise up a church full of power, full of authority that is moving heaven and earth on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you this, much of this through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God, and just one final three minutes here. It's not just dunamis power or exousia, legal authority power. There's also power in praise. Where's Nathan at? Nathan, you here? He's probably working. There's power in praise. One final story. When we were in Tulare, we started a Christian coffee house called Fisherman's Wharf Coffee House, right across from Tulare Union High School. Uh, I went out in my tire track shoes every day, went out to the park, went out inviting people to come for coffee, some hot chocolate, a donut, you know. Within the first three months of the coffee house, I counted personally over 100 kids, young people that came to the Lord, until the Spirit came and says, stop counting, I got it, I got it, stop counting. Three months after we began, the lieutenant from the police department came and he said, we don't know what you're doing, but keep it up because our drug traffic has decreased by a third. Why? All these pushers were getting saved. And they're going out bringing their friends, going out and bringing their friends. We baptized 17 kids at Three Rivers. Seven or eight of them came up speaking out in tongues out of the water. Because we told them, baptism both just water. Expect an experience from the Lord Jesus Christ. And they got baptized speaking in tongues, coming out of the water. Well, my grandmother had a place just a few blocks from the coffee house, and she had passed away. So my wife and I decided we're going to stay there that night because we're close to the coffee house. Well, how many of you know we were putting a big dent in Satan's kingdom? I mean, kids getting saved, kids getting off of drugs, coming alive. Many of them had come into the ministry. Hallelujah. God doing some great things. We were putting a dent. We were giving a bloody nose to the enemy. And that night when we were trying to sleep, literally the powers of hell came against us. It was scary. It was really scary. It's like every demonic force that enemy could send came against us. We both felt it at the same time. It was really terrifying. So I said, honey, let's just lift our hands and praise the Lord. We didn't buy anything. We didn't break anything. We just did this. We lift our hands and just begin to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And within seconds, that thing departed. There's power in dunamis, in exousia, legal authority. And sometimes it just takes us coming together and praising the Lord. Father, I didn't get very far tonight. And Lord, maybe you said what you wanted to say. This is what you have for our church. This fresh anointing power of the Holy Spirit, 
walking in your authority, <laughs> continuing in praise and worship, Father. And Lord, I, uh, I hope I have another time to, to finish this out. But we're asking, Lord, for a, a spark, just that spark of the Holy Ghost, the spark of Pentecost to hit our church again, Father. So, Lord, these that have come tonight, let them be encouraged in their heart. Let them use the power you put there. If they have not been baptized, the Holy Spirit, as evidenced by speaking in their language, it can happen. It can happen. It just calls for a hungry heart. You got to come as a sponge. Just, I want more of you, Father. I want more of you. Come as a sponge and make it a matter of importunate prayer. Say, Father, I want to be full, filled, filled to overflow with your spirit. God, thank you for these that come tonight. We pray for the service that's going to be here Sunday. And, Lord, may you bless these that have come. Touch every heart, every life. Give them a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And, Lord, your word says they will be filled. And those in agreement said amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.